Tom Hershey from CBC with my guests, Julie Appleton and Tom McGovern. Today, we're going to discuss leasing and how both the process and physical leases have morphed due to pandemic pressures. Julie Appleton is VP of Legal for Rilogy Holdings, handling, among other things, lease review for all company-owned sites. Tom McGovern is the VP of Corporate Real Estate and Facilities for Rilogy and oversees all lease sites for company-owned operations. Today, they are going to walk us through the changes in the leasing environment from a tenant's perspective. We'll learn what they are experiencing and how it is impacting their business. Julie and Tom, thank you for joining us today. This is a great topic, and we've been hearing a lot about it in the news. Interestingly enough, I was reading an article before we uh, started the call, and it was doom and gloom, followed by another article that was everything is just rosy. I am excited to hear uh, what both of you are experiencing in the marketplace, as I know Rilogy has both office and retail sites, so hopefully you can shed some light on what both those products are seeing. So let's get started. First, let's hear a little bit about what it is that you do. Julie, uh, could you start? Sure. Um, I am the attorney responsible for negotiating all of Realogy's corporate-owned real estate brokerage locations, back office locations, to the extent we have any left, and uh, title locations. So what that means is your local Caldwell Banker office, when they um, lease from your local landlord, I get involved in papering the deal. Excellent. Tom, you have the long title. What is, what is yeah. it that you do? <laughs> Yes, yeah, so, I'm uh, Vice President of Corporate Real Estate and Facilities. So I uh, am responsible uh, for oversight of all uh, lease negotiations um, and uh, and lease signings, acquisition of any properties. Um, we tend to, to lease and not, not own anything. Um, lease administration, making sure the rents get paid. Um, project management for uh, construction of those sites um, and uh, facilities management for maintaining uh, those sites. Excellent. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk leases. Tom, let's first go into rents, asking rents, face rents, market rents. Uh, what have you seen in the marketplace over the last year? Are they going up? Are they going down? Have they held firm? Yeah. So, um, you know, this time last year, we were theorizing that, you know, there would be a, you know, a, a bubble burst, if you will, on, on rents that, uh, you know, um, people were vacating offices, we'd see an increase in vacancies and everything, and we th therefore would put, you know, pressure on, on rents. We're not seeing that yet. Um, you know, rents are still increasing traditionally over, you know, previous years and things. Um, and, you know, we haven't seen any material changes in, in rates. Now, you know, uh, as you mentioned, we are a mix. We, you know, tend to be more retailish. Um, you know, with our, our Cobble Banker and, and Sotheby's offices and things. Um, so, you know, and, and not office, you know, we're not in class A office buildings uh, per se. So that may be where the, the pressure might come from um, in, in the future, but, but still haven't, haven't seen that either. Interesting. Um, what about concessions? Uh, are, are 
landlords may be using concessions to keep the rents up, to keep the space rents up, or yeah, I mean that, that's the you know that's the typical game, right? They'll they'll give it in free rent um, and or uh, TI allowances and things, um, just to as you said keep the face rate up for for lenders. But again, we're not we're not seeing anything any drastic changes over what's been the market, you know, pre-pandemic. Um, it's 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 kind of holding steady state. And and again, we we thought that by now we would have seen that, and and we just haven't. Um. What about with your existing landlords? If it's, you're scouting other sites, are they? Have you noticed if our landlords more concerned about retaining tenants, or is it still, you know, hey, there's five tenants waiting for this space. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Again, it's it's um, so so a lot of companies I think were were wait and see and still are wait and see um, as to whether they're going to return and and you know what they're going to look like. When they when there's a return to office, um, so I, I think there's still that you know that waiting game. But but I, I, landlords aren't nervous. Um, you know, we've had a couple of deals where you know we were in spaces for a long time trying to negotiate um, something, and and landlord you know dug their heels in, and we actually said, okay, well we'll we'll go. Um, and then once we did that, they came back and and gave us what we were looking for. Um, but the, you know that, that's more anecdotal and and one time kind of things not um we're not seeing anything drastic across the board or uh any particular market where we're seeing dips and i would echo that sentiment because when we're dealing with the landlord's attorneys they aren't nervous at all i i expected people to be bending over backwards on the little things and i'm not getting that it might as well be you know 2018. so julie let, let's then dive a little deeper and since you brought up attorneys as far as lease terms has anything changed on that front uh when you're you know from a tenant's perspective based on what we've seen over the past you know 18 months are there any specific uh terms or covenants that that you're looking at to better protect your company um on new leases i mean sure I, you know we are looking at as I think everyone could predict, um, strengthening the force majeure language that we have in our leases to include pandemic. The the issue with that, of course, is that even if we have stronger force majeure language that specifically calls out a pandemic, as most people know, that force majeure language doesn't stop you from monetary obligations, from tenants' obligation to continue to pay rent. Um, what it does do, though, is gives us some breathing room if a landlord can't deliver. So um, if there are problems with the landlord's build out and we have good force more major language in there and those problems stem from pandemic, then then we have a little bit more protect, protection. But aside from that, I mean, the typical desire to to have some sort of an early termination, that's that's basically it. So early out, um, what about protections from escalations or length of term? Looking at changing any of that? I mean, again, that's that's mostly whatever you can get on a business negotiation side, and and I'm not seeing a lot of it. Um, you know, we 
as a company, haven't really embraced the idea of CPI increases in our es escalations. And I would expect that overall, most people in commercial leasing are going to want to stay away from that in the current environment on the tenant side. I, I think landlords are probably going to be very interested in it, though. Yeah, that's what... That, um, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that's a great point. Um, it, you know, that the, it is important in looking at you know, escalation clause and fair market value clauses when it comes time to renew. Um, I mean, Tom, do you want to expand on that a little? Yeah, so before I, when I jumped in there, uh, the uh, what we're still seeing in deal structure is, you know, two to three percent standard increases, increased language in, in the leases on, you know, from the business terms. Um, we're not, we are though, however, we are seeing on options, we're, we're getting fewer um, hard dollar you know options and it's more fair market value uh, options so they're you know landlords are less willing to to lock in at a rate now on, a, on an option to to make the deal you know more attractive for us um, so but you know if and when we see you know escalation you know fears of you know um, then I, I think what we'll see as a return to CPI language and and you know to, to Julie's point we, we want to avoid that because we want to be able to predict and control our increases but you know the negotiation would be okay but not to exceed you know x percent is a, is a typical uh way to try and combat that but we I mean, we really haven't seen CPI languages and you know in our leases in a long time yeah and, and, and I, I was gonna say I something was just gonna no, answer we I'm sorry, Tom. <laughs> Something of note with the fair market value clauses in renewals is that um, typically we try to say 95% or most tenants try to say that they'll agree to a renewal at 95% of whatever fair market value is. Um, but landlords will always come back and say, but it can't be less than whatever the last month's rent was during the, the regular term. I've been seeing some wiggle room on that where I've seen, yeah, it can't be less than, you know, $10 per square, square foot less um, than the last month of the term, but it also can't be more. So we'll get a cap on the upside as well. So, so that's, I think that has changed after the pandemic. Um, well, speaking of pandemic, let's talk about something else that was, that we've seen a lot in the news and that is increased costs for materials, like lumber um, and steel, and you know the fact that we have delays because there's a lack of labor, um, a shortage of labor for people to, for construction workers. Um, how has that impacted, uh, Tom, when you're going to sign a lease, are we seeing any sort of delays in getting TIs done? Has it increased TI allowances? Uh, yes, yeah, so um, it's affected. One, it's affected the permitting process. So you know the COVID impact on municipalities and things is real, still real. Um, and you know I've we've got permits out in like in Hawaii um, for six months. They haven't even looked at it yet. Um, so you know we're we're dealing with one the impact on on, on the permitting timeline. Uh, two, material costs have gone up, and so we're seeing uh, our construction costs. Uh, going through the roof uh, these days, um, and you know the shortage of labor is real in the construction industry as well. 
Um, one, it was trending that way anyway prior to the pandemic. And so, you know, we, we were seeing that in 2017 and 18. Um, but now it's just gotten it's gotten worse. And and by the way, contractors are busier, right? So um, they don't they don't need to work um, as much now to to get jobs. So their pencils are less sharp. So we, we're seeing that impact. And then the other part of it too is office furniture, and you know, just keeps increasing the cost of office furniture. And it's 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 all tied really to the the cost of raw materials. Um, which is affecting both construction and and furniture. So and, and lead times are you know um, you know a typical six to eight week lead time on on furniture is now you know 12 16 weeks, and so it's it's impacting us kind of all around uh, on our you know delivery of of projects. So is that uh, when you're looking at leases when you know you have something coming up for renewal or you're looking at expanding or do you have to build then in extra time so instead of looking at a renewal 12 months out did you have to move to 18 months out yeah i mean you know we we try to start the conversation 18 months out anyway just so we can you know um go at it methodically and and uh do our proper due diligence on on seeking multiple proposals and things like that but um yeah and and you know and you know where where it could really affect you is if you have if you're relocating you have a lease date coming up and now you're, you know, you're threatened, threatening to go into holdover. Um, so it's taking some negotiations um, to, you know, sometimes extend short term uh, if a landlord is willing, um, you know, and that's going to that's going to be dictated upon whether the landlord has a replacement tenant or not. So it's um, it's tricky and there are things that you need to do to kind of protect yourself. But but starting as early as possible um, is key. And, you know, like the permitting process is completely out of your hands and, and it used to be you could get an expediter to, to if you wanted to, to to fast track something and expediters don't matter anymore yeah you know it's just yeah and so. on the, on the other side of when tom's talking about relocations um when we're looking at delivery we're really trying to make sure that delivery is contingent upon the landlord actually um or not delivery rent commencement is contingent upon the landlord actually delivering the premises to us in the condition we want with everything all the all the build out complete um and giving them rent penalties if they can't do it in a timely manner and including permit contingencies where we can if we're doing the build out we want to make sure that we have language in there that says if we can't get a permit in x amount of days we're entitled to terminate or in some cases one case i can think of um there was a certain penalty and then the landlord was allowed to pick up and try it so um, there are a lot of different moving parts with that. Yeah, that's and, an, one, one interesting thing, thing too, Tom, is, you know, we're, so we're pressured by our business folks to, you know, get, get it done faster, get it done faster, right? And so um, co-working space is actually becoming kind of an answer for things in that, you know, okay, well, we can go, we can, we can use co-working space as our, as our, you know, backup um, that if we had to, you know, go, go, um, and get some co-working space on a short-term basis until we bridge that gap. Um, so, you know, we work is <laughs> something that's being talked about now, you know? It's interesting because I remember Tom, a conversation with you about a year ago, we were, we were thinking, Oh, co-working space is, is never going to happen again. You know, that's yeah. like just yeah. crazy. And you're not the first person to say that's a consideration um, when looking at lease delays. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good backup. So, 
So, um, Julie, you brought up, um, you know, rethinking, you know, force majeure, changing uh, that language. But then from, you know, the landlord perspective, um, when it comes to, you know, standard carve outs, uh, are, are, you know, maybe first to explain, I should have gone into what exactly we talk about when we say standard carve outs. It's a common term that many people don't understand. But then, you know, are corporate guarantees, are, are you seeing that that is more of a something being asked? What about increased security deposits? I actually am seeing more requests for guarantees, maybe not as many for security deposits in our particular position. But, it, and I have to say it, it surprises me because we are a wholly owned sub of a publicly traded entity. So our, um, our, our relative strength compared to most of the tenants that are going to be presenting to themselves in the areas where we're looking to lease is very good. Um, on the on the kind of the flip side of this is that I've become more concerned about my landlord's feasibility as a, a going concern because I have no idea typically what kind of a equity my landlord has in the the location and what kind of financial backing they have. So uh, we have been uh, more inclined to ask for subordination agreements with any mortgage holder um, or lender if we have a big enough space or are putting a large amount of money into a build out. Interesting, Tom. Uh, so is that something you're looking at when you first are, are starting to look at properties? Like, okay, how many, with you know, the, this landlord's portfolio, like, um, do you try to get an idea of that up ahead? Yeah, we do. So, you know, we, we ask our brokers to, you know, um, find out, the, the financials on a, on, on a company and their, their financial wherewithal at the, you know, at the front end. Um, uh, so we have an understanding of it. I mean, a lot, and, but you know, a lot of it is, is market driven, you know, that if it's, if it's a market of mom and pop, you know, landlords, you know, it's, it's, it's a risk that you, that you take in that market. Right. Um, we just, you know, we do our best to assess that and, and assess the likelihood of their, of their success. <laughs> Um, so, mm -hmm. but it, it's certainly a, a, con, a consideration when we're looking across, you know, multiple properties. Yes. Yeah. And if, if, I mean, if mom and pop go under then, and we have a, a subordination and non-disturbance agreement in place, we're, we're often in a better position right? because lenders has a lot more capital and wherewithal. Yeah. And they, they certainly Let's prefer to that. have us their paying rents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask you um, about sublets. Uh, you know, there obviously a lot of companies shed space. Some companies shed too much, and now they're getting more space. But there, there is, you know, sublet space on the market. Is that, from a tenant perspective, is that something that you have looked into? Is it? Are you seeing pricing competitive or? or even better for sublet space? So, you know, we as as a company have decided to, you know, embrace this remote uh, working model and we've, and we've put that into effect. And, and we looked long and hard last year at all of our administrative spaces across the country. Uh, so non-retail, non you know, that uh, customer-facing spaces is, is what we really uh, took a long, hard look at. 
this time last year or you know maybe 18 months ago um we had about a million square feet of administrative space and we've cut that by 75 percent so i have in you know uh several locations office space on the market for sublease um there was very little activity going on for a long time. Um, and now all of a sudden I can tell you in like, for instance, New Jersey, our headquarters, uh, we've gotten a lot of activity and, and tours from larger companies. Um, uh, we have a space in Mount Laurel, you know, which is uh, South Jersey. We've got a lot of, it's, a, it's a, a market where there's a lot of mortgage companies. So we got a lot of mortgage companies looking at it. Um, and then in the, in the headquarters in Madison, which is uh, northern New Jersey, um, we've got a lot of pharma uh, companies that are, have now uh, started kicking up dust. So we, you know, we are seeing a, an activity in uh, that those two markets, and then um, some, and, and in Dallas, we have some uh, space as well that we're seeing some interest. So it's uh, picking up. We're, you know, we're excited about that because obviously we want to sublease it. Um, as far as um, space that we're you know when we're seeking it um most of our activity is in the you know the the retail um residential offices and that sector that you know we're, we're not seeing a whole lot of uh sublease space there the, the retail sector really didn't didn't get hit, hit hard from a from a, a real estate perspective it's still very strong so i'm not seeing the opportunities there um on the on the retail side we did, however, do at the beginning of last year an enormous, enormous sublease, um, and I think the uh, business side was very happy about it because we got a very good price on it. It was a we were subletting from a company that was abandoning their headquarters after COVID and um, had barely even been in the headquarters before they decided to abandon it. So it was a good deal for us. Um, that being said. From a legal perspective, being a subtenant is terrible. It is a lot of work and a lot of unknowns, and you don't have a lot of leverage. Um, from a legal legal perspective, subletting to someone else is usually pretty good. It, it's kind of just a win. Yeah. The, so, I, and I'll comment on. So, the one of the things that that Julie had mentioned are protections from as a tenant from you know a a, a weak landlord. You in a sublease, you don't you know you don't tend to get subordination for instance um it's not something that is market and so you, you know you are at risk there you, you know you enjoy a low rate which is good um but you know you are subject to uh that master lease and you know um you're kind of one uh space removed from direct relationship with the landlord so there's you know um it's it's not as clear and concise on some of your protections yeah, every time. I mean, it, it can get as granular as any time you have to have a maintenance or repair request. It's you have to go through an additional party to get someone to do something. Um, let's talk a little bit about the facilities aspect. Um, when we talk about you know leases and and I'll open this up to either one of you, but when we're looking at a facility, you know. In 2018, we're looking to cram as many people into a space as, as possible. Um, how have things changed? I, I know, you know, even airlines or, or hotels have their commitment to clean. How how has that changed the overall process when you're looking at space and, and really when you're building it out? 
So we, we've never, we never adjusted our permanent decisions on the pandemic. So, and I'll, you know, we were looking to get to maximize space before we're, we are continuing to look at maximizing space. But what, you know, so in the, in the long-term decision, we, you know, we see this as kind of, you know, kind of business as usual, but we make the temporary adjustments for social distancing and things like that within the facility um, that we have to. Um, so I, I, you know, we're still going to, I think, continue to uh, keep that long-term vision back to normalcy um, on on our, our long-term decisions, uh, but make short-term decisions to, as to how we use it uh, to, to satisfy the you know, uh, the health concerns from a cleanliness perspective. I mean, we, yeah, we've, so we raised our routine cleaning, um, to CDC recommendations on, you know, wiping of common surfaces, making sure we wipe down light switches, um, you know, and, and, uh, desktops and things like that, that over and above what would have before been considered, you know, normal office cleaning. So we've incurred more costs from a janitorial perspective um, uh, that way. And, we, you know, our frequency of cleaning and everything is, again, to to meet this this current need. Um, you know, and, and I think it has raised awareness. The pandemic has just raised awareness of, of just health protocol and procedures anyway. So, you know, before the pandemic, at flu season, they'd say if you're sick, stay home, and people would still come into work because they, you know, wanted to tough it out or whatever. And now they're like, no, stay home. <laughs> Get a cold, <laughs> stay home. Um, and so, and and you know, I do think um, more technology, you know, for touchless elevators and all that is, you know, is is going to be uh, become more prevalent. But I, you know, I don't see us anyway going and retrofitting anything because of it, right? But you know, if we it, had to do it over again, we go, you know, we move into a building, yeah, we will you know, we'll look at those touch-free um features, but um you know, we're not making permanent decisions or going and you know, spending it because of that, you know, to retrofit anything. If that makes sense. Absolutely. But Julie, is there any I mean, is there any language because of this that needs to be added from a tenant's perspective um, in the leases? I mean, it really depends on um, what the landlord is is promising in the lease to begin with. I think in the beginning of this whole thing, I was taking classes on how the janitorial aspects of landlord's common area maintenance was going to increase and be so much more intricate. And none of that ever really happened. You might see in the um, common area maintenance provision, landlord agreeing to abide by any CDC standards or health department standards. And that is a good thing to put in, but it's not, I would not say that it's been a universally accepted change. And um, in some cases it, it can cause more problems than it's worth. Um, some, if you have a situation where it's a full serve building and landlords providing your janitorial, then typically your janitorial list is on an exhibit. And in those cases, uh, landlords seem to be a little bit more open to requiring um, CDC or health department standards. Interesting. So let's look 12 months out, 24 months out. I'm, I'll ask this of each of you. Julie, I'll start with you. Knowing where we've been and thinking, you know, what we thought a year ago and thinking, you know, what we thought in January or maybe even as recently as June, 
what do you think the going forward, what do you think the biggest change to the leasing world, whether it be, you know, lease terms or market or whatever, what do you think going forward is the biggest change that's going to come out of what we've been through? Um, I think, and I think we were talking about this a little bit before I've been doing this for a little over 20 years. And I would say that the biggest change is if anyone thinks they can predict anything at this point, they're just wrong. I mean, I have no idea what's coming (laughs) down the pike. Um, if you would ask me 18 months ago, you know, or a year ago that we would be in this situation now, I, I would have, I would have been incredulous. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I think people will be probably a little bit more concerned about um, financial strength of both landlord and tenant. Um, I think people will be more cognizant of their force majeure provisions to what end. I don't know what that will be. Um, I think people will be more cognizant of, um, I think, you know, really the big driver that I can see right now is inflation. And I think people will be trying more for uh, including CPI in both their um, in both their rent escalations and in their cam charges. I think we're probably less likely to see landlords agree to caps on cam increases, even for um, what they typically deem controllable expenses. But you know, I have just about as much likelihood of being right as you know my dog does about this it's just so hard to predict right now all right tom how do you follow up that (laughs) (laughs) well so so a couple of things if we look at the way we work right that's changed now um i think the adapt adaption of like teams and zoom and and those kinds of things i think they will have a permanent um impact on company travel, right? And, um, you know, when is it now appropriate to jump on a plane and go to the West Coast um, for like an intercompany meeting, uh, the non-client, non-customer focused, you know, the facing is, do, do now you just do it on, you know, do it on, on virtual uh, use, right? So that I think will impact some companies, uh, many companies in, in the way that they behave and, you know, in their and their travel policies and things like that. But will also, I think, impact the office, the way that we build out office. I do think they're going to they'll, they'll be smaller um, and there'll be more of, of an embrace of at least, you know, two to three days of, of you know, work at home a week at like a hybrid. And, and some people are going to want to come back and, and see each other face to face. I mean, I, you know, I miss seeing Julie. I would sit in her office and, you know, we'd work together. So, um, you know, I do, I, you know, people are going to want to get back and, and socialize more. But I I do see a an impact on how much space tenants take and the way it's built out uh, to provide for more flexibility, more collaboration, and then you know meeting spaces and things will be built out for not just in person but you know both in person and virtual. So you know there'll be more of an an, an embracing of of that technology. Um, but it's going to put pressure on you know your AV needs and things like that because now you you you'll build out a conference room not just for people, but for people and, and video and audio, you know? So I see that. Yeah. I think we've, we've all become much better at uh, technology over the last 18 months um, and using our media uh, as well. I, I, 
think I'm, you know, pretty much a Teams and a Zoom expert at this point, um, <laughs> as is yeah. everybody else. Everyone, yeah. Well, well, Tom and Julie, thank you so much for joining us. This is very interesting and, and has answered a lot of questions that I have. Um, and so I really appreciate you joining us. As a reminder to our listeners, if you like what you hear, please subscribe to and like the CRE with CBC Worldwide podcast on your favorite pod app. 